Hey listeners, before we get to your show, this is a blast from your past. Were you hanging around in the 90s watching Nickelodeon before you got too old for it and started smoking weed and doing drugs? Well, then you should know us. This is Danny Tamborelli and... And this is Michael C. Morona. We're here to ask you to check out our podcast, The Adventures of Danny and Michael. And here's our on-air producer, Jeremy, to tell us what you'll be hearing. You can hear things like minisodes, full episodes, nostalgia dumps, interviews with some of today's hottest comedians. That's right, Jeremy. All of those things and more. So check us out. The Adventures of Danny and Mike on the Seltzer Kings Network. You're now listening to The Bradshaw Boys, a podcast where three relatively grown men binge the iconic HBO series Sex and the City. So dust off those DVDs and grab yourself a white wine or even a cosmopolitan and settle in. Take it away, boys. Welcome to the Bradshaw Boys, a podcast where three guys watch their way through sex in the city for the first time ever, mostly. I'm Corey Cavan. I'm Kevin James Doyle. My name is John Sieber, and uh, today we're, we're greeted by a very special guest. I think this is the first family member that we've ever, we've ever had on the show, right? Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. other than Katie, so. Katie, my wife. But we're greeted, greeted by, uh, today we have Dr. David Sieber, uh, my very own brother, who's going to be joining us for uh, Season 6, Episode 14. Wow. Hey, guys. Dave. Hey, Dave. Dave, Thanks have you ever done a me. podcast before? No, I think this is my first time, actually. Really? Whoa. Um, so we'll be well, the reason that we are we asked Dave to join us for this particular episode is um we 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 don't know what happens in the episode, but we know that Samantha considers getting uh plastic surgery. And Dave is a uh world-class plastic surgeon in Mm -hmm. san francisco and we thought who better to have on the pod than uh a doctor who is familiar with what that procedure is like wow yeah yeah so so, well john go ahead it's your brother well i was usually we ask uh we ask all all of our guests what their relationship to sex and the city is like and um i'd like to hear from you is this a show that uh, you watched growing up that your parents allowed you to watch? Well, I mean, if people are listening to this or haven't listened to the podcast for a while, <laughs> they know that, you know, we weren't even allowed to watch He-Man or Thundercat. <laughs> so Sex in the City was absolutely off limits in the Seabra household. That's true. Not allowed. Uh, what, um... Yeah, what uh have you have you seen any now? Like uh what what to this point? Do you know who Carrie Bradshaw is? Do you know any yeah, of the characters? Yeah. So I've listened I've listened to the podcast um, I'm familiar with the characters. I haven't ever sat down and watched all of them. It's one of those things that's kind of like on my bucket list, but it's uh you know, I've just never gotten around to it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does your wife watch it at all? No, she doesn't. She wasn't um one of those uh, women who kind of watched it in college or with her friends. So it's kind of uh, not like, you know, we're familiar with it because it's so pop culture, but uh, haven't really spent a lot of time like diving into it per se. That's surprising right. because Caroline is very fashionable. She's very like stylish. She's like, it seems like she's really into that. Like all the elements of Sex and the City seems like something that Caroline would have really been into. That's what yeah. I was thinking. I with with only I think I've met your wife like maybe once at John's wedding and I was I was trying to find a way to say that your wife is like a woman of substance and looks like someone who is like very glamorous that would have watched this show. Like she seems like she's fashionable and like into it and stuff. But then you were like, "No, nah, she's never watched it." No. No, nope, never. Yeah. Well. Well, <laughs> You're about to watch it with us. Yeah. Are you excited? I, I Yeah, are you excited? I am excited. This is it's like it's fun to be on here with you guys. 
<laughs> I think, uh, yeah, doctors don't have time to watch TV, right? That's like, you're, you're too busy. You're too busy doing other stuff. Yeah, it was just like you... charting. What Dude, does that okay. mean? What does charting mean? Oh, you have, to, like, write, you have to write notes on everyone. You know, this patient comes in for this, and this is what they want done, and then you have your physical exam. That's funny because that's my job on the show is to do the charting for the show because <laughs> Kevin and Corey won't do it. That's yes, true. Yeah. Get it. No charting. No charting. I refuse to do it. <laughs> um, before I ask it, I don't I don't have a question per, per se, but what question, what annoying question do you get asked the most as like a plastic surgeon? Well, like I was talking to my wife actually about this when I got home today. The one impossible question, which is mm-hmm. kind of a red flag during the consultation is when a patient asks you if they're going to be happy with the outcome. Because that's like, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but if I did, I wouldn't be a plastic surgeon. Is that, is that kind yeah. of them like, at, like putting out bait to see whether or not they think you'll fuck up their bodies? Probably. <laughs> how do you answer yeah. it? Yeah, how do you answer that question? I tell them I don't have a, a crystal ball. And I don't have any idea if they're going to be happy. <laughs> you know what you should do? You know what would be a really fun thing is you you say, well. I do listen. have silicone balls, though, and I think oh. they're going to look great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those, exactly. those should make you happy. <laughs> Dude, you got you to be like, you'll, you'll absolutely be happy. And then as you're putting the anesthesia mask on them, just go, I lied. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't do you remember listen anyways. To music while you do, do you listen to music while you do surgery? Yeah, absolutely. What do you listen to? Because I I had to have shoulder surgery like a year ago, and I have this doctor who's a he's actually like the doctor for the Knicks. He's Doctor Robert Leeds. Doctor Robert but, Leeds. Uh, but uh, he he like he's a very like mild mannered guy that's been practicing for a long time, and all the nurses are like he likes to listen to Metallica. Yeah, which was which was I just was so interesting to me that they uh, also when they were putting me under. Um, they were, they literally started playing another one bites the dust, which I thought was kind of important. What? <laughs> Maybe yeah, they that's did. probably good for, I, we good talked for shoulder about it when surgery. I went back. What's that? That that's like probably okay for a shoulder surgery. Anything else? Yeah. Probably not recommended. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, what can you enlighten us at all into the process of uh, like any person that becomes a doctor, like you can be any type of doctor and I know that certain times, there's certain types that like, I've heard a lot more people become gynecologists because you have a, you have a, like a regulated schedule. So it's easier to take vacations. I don't know. I could be making that up. I think I heard that. But what, what made you, and some people are like, I always wanted to go into this type. What made you want to go into plastic surgery? Um, and when, when did you realize that? Um, it was in medical i think it was medical school when the show nip tuck i think it was on was it on oh yeah maybe or i don't remember what show but i was like you know what that looks kind of cool no that was uh Mm. i think what actually happened is when i was in medical school we had these different clubs you could join they were like interest groups so there was like Mm. dermatology Mm -hmm. interest group and like the the general medicine interest group so i went to the plastic surgery one and I, as part of the thing, you got to like go watch a plastic surgeon, like do a procedure. Right. So I went and I watched this breast reduction and, um, I know tons of people get breast reductions because it helps with the neck, back, shoulder pain. Uh, and as a medical student, I was sitting there watching this and, and during the breast reduction, you kind of like take the whole breast apart and then you remove the extra tissue and then put it back together. But as a young medical student standing there watching this breast kind of like all flayed open i was like you know what i sure hope this lady knows how to put this thing back together or we are in trouble <laughs> and she did she got all back together and i was like wow like that's pretty cool that's wow. awesome it, 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 i'm sure it really helped the person who got the reduction as well oh yeah it makes a huge difference it's one of those procedures that has a, a huge huge impact on quality of life wow Jeez. What what is like um I mean we don't have to get too specific but like how much weight w- would the average best breast reduction remove from from someone who's doing it? Oh, the, it could range. I mean, it could be anywhere from we usually do it in grams because everything in medicine is metric, of course. 
Um, you know, so every kilogram is about 2.2 pounds. So it could be anywhere from like 200 to 300 grams up to like one and a half kilograms, which would be like three pounds a breast. So, Jeez, so that's like wow. six pounds. Yeah. A wow. ton of weight. So that's a lot of it, weight. That's like a, yeah, that's like a, a baby strapped to your chest that you're taking off. Mm-hmm. Small baby. Yeah. It right. makes a huge I, don't, I don't know how much baby. That's wild. That's that's insane. Does that affect? Does that affect when you're saying put the breast back together? Is that like if you have a breast reduction, is that all just fat, or do you have to take glands or anything out too? Does it affect? Yeah, so and some, if you did breastfeeding, would that affect breastfeeding? Man, you have good questions tonight. Yeah, so it's like part <laughs> just fat. So there's basically like a layer of fat, and then there's like all the glandular, the regular old breast tissue. So you take out a little bit of both, really. Um, and as far as breastfeeding goes, because you are removing some of the tissue that makes the breast milk, most women after breast reductions can still breastfeed. Um, but worst case scenario is that they don't make enough breast milk to sustain the diet of the baby. So then they might mm. just need to supplement it with formula. But mm. all the things, the gotcha. latching, the connection with the baby, you still got to do all that stuff, but you just might need to supplement the baby's diet a little bit. Gotcha. Wow. Man, that is, a. Uh... That's what, what is, what's, what's the biggest surgery you've ever done? Is there like a thing that's like, it's something that was like very like marathon, something you're really like proud of? Like, what's the biggest thing? Well, there's like the longest, the longest surgery I think I was ever in was like 25 or 26 hours, which was like a a bypass in this large patient. So it was like a, and this is when I was in training, like a, a general surgery resident. It just took the surgeon forever to try to find the blood vessels that they needed to bypass. Um, and then I've been in like, you know, crazy trauma cases or removing cancer. Uh, probably the most, uh, you know, I've taken people's lungs out for cancer. I've done something called a Whipple where you take out part of someone's pancreas and then like plug it into part of their small intestines and rearrange their intestines and their stomach and stuff. So there's been some crazy stuff. Man. I, I think um, that's like a general misconception that people probably have of plastic surgeons that I've learned having a brother that's gone through it. Sometimes like plastic surgeons get this rap because it's like an elective cosmetic surgery that maybe, I don't know. There's like, there's like stigma about it, but like most plastic surgeons or at least my brother in particular is like the most qualified like they've gone through all the surgeries all the all the things they've seen it all and like just because they end up there doesn't mean they're not like haven't seen the shit that like other Mm -hmm. surgeons other doctors other medical people have seen Mm -hmm. well i guess saying uh, going along with that before we go watch the episode because i'm sure there'll be some plastic surgery discussion after but Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what is your response or what is your feeling on like, I, I feel like already there's been a cultural shift from 20 years ago to just be like plastic surgery. And now there is more of a accepted nature to different procedures and plastic surgery, even like Botox. I think on your Instagram the other day, you showed the effects of Botox. I don't think Botox jokes happen on television like they did in the nineties. People were like Botox. And now people are like i know people that get botox and they're like it's not that big a deal um i guess what what would you say is like one of the most fulfilling parts of your job of and what the benefits of plastic surgery that you feel like is misunderstood or misrepresented within culture so i think the biggest thing especially when it comes to cosmetic procedures is is uh, people kind of like always think about them differently or if someone, you know, someone's in a, like a bad accident or they hurt their hand and they go to a surgeon and they fix their hand and they can use their hand again. So they're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, you really helped that person because you like made them whole again. But there's a lot of people mm-hmm. I see who uh, like, you know, talking about breast augmentation. Some women are just born with really small breasts um, mm-hmm. and they kind of feel like incomplete and almost like you know, I don't want to say like they were gypped, but you know, they're just not happy with how their bodies look Mm. and, or, or even women who've had a bunch of kids. And as a result of having kids, you have all this extra skin on your stomach that wasn't there before, but uh, you have these beautiful children now. And 
a lot of these women come back after surgery and they're just so grateful because you were able to kind of make them whole again or or fill in like that missing part that they weren't actually born with. And and they're really grateful for, for what you do. And some people come back and, you know, after breast augmentation and they're like, I feel like this is what I was always supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And people are just really happy. They, you know, they're like, this has changed my life, what you did. And and I think the misconception is is that the things that I do don't really make that big of an impact on on people's self-worth and self-being, that it's just kind of for cosmetic reasons. But it really has a strong emotional impact on a lot of people who come and see me, which is which is great. It's super fulfilling for me to see that. That's awesome. Mm. That's cool. Well, let's, we're gonna, let's we're gonna watch. gamble right. I want to. Okay. I want to all real quick just guess what what surgery or what what procedure um, can um, sh- uh, Samantha get? Uh, uh, well, I I feel like I might know a spoiler that I don't know if y'all know. Don't spoil. Don't spoil this particular episode. I don't know. I think. I think she goes in and gets a like a breast augmentation. I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna spoil it. I'm pretty sure she goes and gets the John Travolta face off thing. She gets another <laughs> face. Put on her face. She gets another person's face put on her face. That's what it is. She gets Nicolas Cage plastered on her she face. Gets, she gets. She gets Cage faced. That's what it why is. Why did you? Why did you ruin that? I'm sorry. I just you know we've uh, said spoilers are off the table. They are. Yeah, you know we have saying. said that for for a long time. Kevin, what do you think? <laughs> I think that it is a face lift. Like, I think she's comfortable with her breasts. I, I think her body's fit, and I feel like it's going to be wrinkle-based. Because she's she's in her... Yeah. I, just, well, I feel like that would go along with the, the storyline of her character. That, that, uh, that it's somehow, like, wrinkles uh, or something like that. That's my guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're going to watch the episode season six, episode 14, The Ick Factor, and we will uh, we'll be back. All right. All right. All right. Episode 88, The Ick Factor. Carrie finds Alexander's classy old world romantic gestures and attention a little overwhelming, and it turns her stomach. Miranda prepares for her non-traditional wedding to Steve. Charlotte and Harry's romantic French dinner leads to a night of the runs. Samantha considers a breast augmentation and receives some unexpected news. And now, back to the boys. Wow. We're back. Wow. Welcome back, everyone. Wow. I could just, I didn't know, I guess we're like nearing the end, so I should have known, but just what, like, that was the feeling of watching one that you're like, oh, I feel like, I feel like the fans are seeing this in the feed and they're like, holy shit. Like that was, this is is a big, this is a big boy. That's what I thought it was going to be. I was joking when I said it was going to be a face off uh, surgery. (laughs) Oh, I that's, thought you were serious. No, I was. I <laughs> no. was really looking forward to Nick. I yeah, I know. I think I, I bet you would have loved to see a little. Uh, would um, the face-off surgery there. be possible? Could you oh, do yeah. that, yeah, Dave? Could, could you, you do that, Dave? Oh yeah, they do uh, face transplants now. You put Nicholas oh, yeah, Cage's right. face on people on your clients. I mean, I haven't. <laughs> I, it's technically possible, but no. But I if someone asks you to, I, I haven't put Nicholas Cage's face on anyone yet. Oh man! But I'm still early in my career, so there's time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. John, why why don't you give us the breakdown and All let's right. get into it? Here we go. Um, so I guess the the ick factor um had to do wait these are the charts, right, Dave? That's what we called them. Charting. Charts? We're charting. Yeah, charting. We're charting. Charting. Right. We're charting right yeah. now. We're yeah, charting. John's charting for us. We're charting. Charlotte and Harry were charting. Two different things. Um, we, uh, the, the through line was, um, kind of, uh, romance, the idea of romance. And I like the analogy of like, uh, tasty delight passing as real ice cream. Have we become romance intolerant? Um, Mm. and so Samantha's storyline, um, I guess has to do, I don't know where the through line really fits in with, with her. Um, but she wants to get uh, bigger breasts. She sees pictures of herself in a magazine with Smith. 
and uh, decides that she wants bigger breasts. And eventually she finds out that she has breast cancer. Um, Charlotte um, uh, and Harry, they uh, Charlotte really buys into this idea that uh, Petrovsky is being very romantic. And Harry um, kind of plants a flag and says he can be equally romantic. They go out, they get uh, the fucking fromage and cheese plate. They get a seven-course French meal and end up with food poisoning the rest of the night. Uh, Miranda and Steve, of course, get engaged and married in the same episode. And then um, Carrie uh, is kind of the main story about uh, romance, uh, feeling that it's a little bit too much from Petrovsky, and ultimately uh, ending up at McDonald's wearing an Oscar de, Laurent- de Laurentiis uh, pink dress. And so, uh, yeah, the, the question is, are we, are we romance intolerant? Well, before, before we get into the storyline, I think a good jumping off point would be, cause we've heard a lot about John's story. Uh, Corey and I are both, are both single. Um, John, we've heard a lot about his story with Katie that I think had a level of romance to it. So Dr. Dave Sieber what what was the romance between you and your wife early on? Do you lay the romance on or like, or was it, do you feel like it was a tasty delight situation or uh, how, what, what is your view on romance and, and how did your wife accept it? If that makes sense. Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, if you were asked, if you were to ask her now, we would, we would be at McDonald's, but not in an Oscar <laughs> yeah. de la Renta. Just, just at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I think there has to be like some aspect of that kind of, you know, in the beginning phases of a relationship, because that's what kind of, you know, piques interest. I think it kind of makes it more fun. It's more playful, but, um, I think it's harder as you've been in a relationship for a really long time it, to be more romantic. It just takes more effort. It's mm. not impossible, but it just takes more effort. Yeah. W- what would you say was the grandest gesture uh, you showed to your wife early, early on, like the most romantic, like taking a risk? Well, um, I don't want to put gesture. words in his mouth, but they met in the most romantic way possible. Let's it's hear true. it. MySpace. What was it? <laughs> oh, wow. Dude, the, the OG <laughs> online dating. MySpace.com. You guys were it, set up by your mutual friend, Tom. <laughs> I fucking love Tom. Yeah. yeah. He got you a wife. He's, I mean, he's so, never responded to my emails, but yeah, he's, he's great. <laughs> okay, so give us the rundown. Like, you slipped into her, her inbox? Her top, yeah, her top friends. Yeah, you know, top I don't, I don't remember, was it eight or nine? Top eight. Or top, six? Top, top eight. eight. Top eight. Was eight. eight, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, you know, it was, I think it was friends of a friend, and I saw her and thought she was pretty cute, and then I made up some line about my parents wanting to get another white dog, and she had a white dog at the time, and the thing that really captivated her was my good grammar. That was really kind of what sealed the deal in the messages we exchanged for months before we actually met in person. And then when we did meet in person, she, of course, selected a secure location uh, where she knew I wouldn't be able to, like, kidnap her, which was smart. That was smart. Where was, yeah. where was the secure location? It was a restaurant she used to work at uh, on the west side of Chicago. Oh, smart. So, like, all the, the staff and everyone knew her and they, they were able yeah. to step oh, in yeah, if you were... She's very smart. She was going to make she's sure she wasn't smart. abducted by a weird guy from MySpace. Yeah. 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 Did that's, you? Oh, go ahead. I mean, that's, ahead, that, I mean, that's before this is in a time when internet dating had a level of lack of social, um, like acceptance. You know what I this mean? Is, like, I feel like before Facebook. Yeah. Wow. Look at like, that. That is a grand that that is a fucking Russian poem. That is an internet Russian poem being read aloud to ask someone out on, on MySpace. Absolutely. Right. I think it's I think it's amazing. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. See, he laid laid the groundworks for all these hinges and bumbles and Tinder and Tinders. Yeah. Yeah, not straight o, right. straight OG. All right. Well, um, what storyline should we start with? Let's Man. um 
Yeah, I don't know. Let's start, start with Charlotte. Let's start with Harry and Charlotte. Yeah. I think for the Let's second week in a row, like yeah, like Charlotte and Harry's kind of had the the weakest storyline, in my opinion. It was great. You seeing- think, I don't. I I disagree that that's a weak storyline. Well, you think it's like sorry. There's a huge bug on the window. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to kill it. Uh, why do you think it, it is, wasn't a weak storyline? It's 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 100 percent necessary. Is it uh, you? Maybe you're using the language I disagree with. It is the it's light. It is it is it's not heavy. But when you're balancing breast cancer, I would say of all of the light storylines that they have that they throw at people, this one is very relatable and central to the question, which is like, sometimes you try and be really romantic. And then there's the reality of like, Hey, the person that you love and you want to spend your life with, it doesn't matter if you're going to the Met, you're going to be running to the bathroom, taking dumps and that they have real love. Like, I think there's actually a lot of depth to this story for Charlotte York to be like, think of what she wanted. She would want to be asked to dance in front of the Met and then go see La Traviata. And yet she's kind of, it's, it's a shitty night. <laughs> Ironic. Didn't mean to do that, <laughs> but it is, it's, a, but really like she is settling into the love that she's wanted for so many years. And it's not what she wanted. And that's a story for so many relationships. Dude, that so was poetry, think- man. That, you, you convinced me. I, so do, do you think it was the weakest storyline of the, of the episode though? I think that it was the lightest, but I do think there's a a really beautiful um a really beautiful like comfort to it that it's like think of like imagine Charlotte York explain like seeing her future life and being like I'm going to be happy in this moment. Yeah. I'm with this person I love. This person showed me this and this is what love is. This is what life is. This is what marriage is and you mm-hmm. have it. And it's not her being like, I, she didn't even say like, I wanted this, the dinner wasn't ruined. We got yeah. food poisoning. I'm with the person I love. Mm-hmm. So I, like, I think it was light, but, um, I thought that there was like an undertone of like a really cool storyline for Charlotte. And also I think like most people that are in long-term relationships are like, yup. <laughs> that's what katie we watched the episode with katie john's wife and she was just like i mean they had seven courses what did they expect <laughs> yeah dude like trust well, me we, when we went on our honeymoon in italy a year after a wedding and just like crushing pasta and bread every single night you were feeling you were least romantic after, after yeah just the, the cheese and olive oils so i get it yeah i thought yeah, it was like a really good terrible. It was a really good storyline to juxtapose to Carrie and the Russians, though, because Mm -hmm. it gave you saw Carrie's storyline was this like over romanticized experience that she eventually in the end, like couldn't even take because it was so, in her words, like un-American. And then you had Charlotte's storyline, which is basically what people are kind of more familiar with, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that 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 is really interesting. the, The juxtaposition of the two. Um, my question for Carrie's storyline: Did she really faint, or was that her swoon, like a fake swoon? I I feel like she. I took it as a weird, out of nowhere, actual faint. That's okay. the way it yeah. seemed. Yeah. Like Dave, should she see a medical professional if that's happening to her? Usually, the first faint is free, and then if it happens oh, the f- again, you need to see someone. That's, that's kind good. of the that's general good. rule. The first faint is free. <laughs> yeah, so anybody can faint. Dude, but it's a any, any anytime you know a doctor, like there's one hint of like, oh, they're so smart. And there's another thing you're like, man, doctors just go to school and become doctors. Like <laughs> when you find out what's going on in medical medical school, and they're like, chapter one, the first thing is free. You're like, <laughs> is my life okay? <laughs> doctors, but your life though, Dave, has to be the same thing as like any special. How many people just ask you questions that are just like. The, they're like that, like, I fainted. Oh, yeah. Am I okay? All the time. Like, I do plastic surgery. <laughs> well, I mean, both of you have have asked me a question to have asked 100%. Dave a question through me. All the time. 
Yeah. Literally, Dave, right when Dave got on the Zoom, Corey, you're like, I get these things. Like, you you, oh. you hit him with one right away. I was oh, like, yeah. is there a good eczema cream for me? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, have you heard of Pomphalox? I mean, I don't even struggle with that thing anymore. I was just like, was it real? Can you tell me, Dave? I mean, yeah, you you must get hit with so many unsolicited questions all the time. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, the ones that are really surprising, it'll be like a friend from college that you haven't talked to in like 15 years. And then all of a sudden you'll get like a picture and your, you know, your phone will go off and you'll open up your messages and you'll be like, oh, what am I looking at here? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Um, yeah. oh, wait, I have a question. Has anyone ever been to, I know I have with Corey, has anyone been to the Met to see an opera? Uh, I, I went, yes. I forgot what I saw. It was a couple, saw, it was a couple years back. I saw the magic flute. We saw magic flute. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, you and Caroline go to the opera. And Dave lives in San Francisco. He's not a he's not a New Yorker, but you go. You guys have been to the opera in San Francisco, right? We no, we haven't been to the opera here yet. We've been to the symphony. Ah, symphony. Mm. Maybe Do that's find- maybe that's what I saw. I think I saw the symphony. I don't remember. Well, Sorry, I, Petrovsky. I saw La I saw La Boheme two years ago, and there was it was like. I didn't realize this, but on Broadway, you have 10 or 15 minute intermissions and then you just get back to your seat. But they had like 45 minute intermissions and then people would go to the restaurant like on the balcony and then have like $150 like quick course. Like they work it in like there was a sense that I was like, this is not my idea of a fun night, but it's like that crest of of the world. Mm-hmm. They like work that into like, oh, you're here all night. And we, you know, there were people in the tuxes. Like, it was like, it was fun to go once. I can't imagine mm-hmm. making it my my regular thing. Like, I can't imagine if that's what, what you do like seven times a year, it'd be like, fucking kill me. But it was fun to go experience. But also I was just like, man, they really milk you for the cash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Petrovsky's yeah. going to be okay dropping the cash. So, he, I mean, the, the move that yeah. he, the, like... We we talked two weeks in a row now about Petrovsky's creepiness, and it's funny that they actually brought it up when he fed her berries and how Miranda was completely skeezed out by it. But that, like, buying that dress from the magazine and giving it to Carrie on opera night, that was quite the move. That was a strong yeah. move right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, also, also that they played into it by her being like, oh, I'll go back and change. And then... I thought about this because we talked about this in our last episode, the the thing of like anyone can do anything, but it depends on context. And is it creepy? Like I thought the box right there was like, oh, this could be creepy, but that is a strong, strong move that he just went all in on it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I I feel like that is one of the strongest moves romantic like just one of the strongest moves you can do because also it shows I I guess and this we did this last episode so I'm not bringing it back up but I do think it it like you said Corey like it pairs with the creepy conversation mm-hmm. which I think the part that is the difference with the dress is it involves like listening yeah that in, that involves like that because I think some moves can become seem creepy when they are just applied blanket to anybody, and it, and then you can interpret that as like a way to that this guy just gets laid. But well, this wanna... was like, what? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I think that that this is why it was one of the strongest moves and affected us all, and we're all like, this is awesome, is because it was him knowing that this dress was for her and he was listening to her and then she's yeah. like and it's about their connection i just thought it was amazing 
No, I totally, I totally agree with that. And I think that like what you're saying is <laughs> what you're saying is like, when it isn't involved with listening, it just goes off a stereotype of like, well, this is what women want. And yeah. speaking of guys just doing that, I might be jumping storylines, but what about those two perfectly cast actors oh looking my at boobs gosh. on the stairway being like, <laughs> dude, oh, what oh, are oh, they oh, up oh, to? Oh my, oh, my, oh. Sitting can there we Samantha get them on the chicken. fucking podcast? Do we I have the to get love them of God? We, can we have get to get them on. Them I'm trying to find them right now. They were incredible. I, I feel like they're a comedy team named like Tit and Bubbles or something like that. My like, my only wish in the world is that we can just get the raw, uncut footage of that and just just Lord. have them be like, "All right, try one more." And the guys like, "Ah, God!" They're like, "All right, that's a little too much." I, I one of those guys had to just like the mask style, like his jaw dropped and his tongue rolled out like a carpet, yeah, yeah. And his eyes shot out of his face. They're like, we cast the guy because in in the room he did this trick where he could make hearts explode out of his <laughs> eyes and then come back. No, but <laughs> that, 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 so funny. Like, that begs a, a decent question, Dave. How do when when people come in for a surgery, how do they tell you what size breast they want to increase it to? Do they have a magazine? Do they like pull up a picture? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, what a lot of plastic surgeons do, and this is uh, pretty inaccurate, is they have the patients bring in photos of other women's breasts. So kind of like what they were doing on the show, uh, just like going out and finding some breasts you like. Uh, plastic surgeons will have women come in and bring in topless photos of other women whose breasts they like. The problem with that is let's what say... What do you do with the photos after that? What do you do with the photos? <laughs> I have a large... Folder, <laughs> <with pictures. laughs> All right, Kevin, Kevin, you want to give me your address after this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it'll cost a bit to ship it, but I can get it to you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, so the the what happens is, uh, like, let's say the woman I'm seeing is uh, five three and one hundred and fifteen pounds or something, uh, but the picture they bring me is of a woman who's five eight and one hundred and forty pounds. Uh, it's really hard to like get the sizes right. So, or they'll they'll come in and they'll have like a friend and they'll go, "Oh, my friend has three hundred cc implants. I want three hundred cc implants." But her friend could be twenty pounds heavier and four inches taller. Yeah. So, yeah. what I do in my office is I have a machine that can actually take a three D picture of the patient, and then I can put implants using the software in their own breasts so they can see what it looks like. And they've done studies on this machine, and it's accurate to about ninety six percent. You know that the results can be ninety six percent similar to what they see in the simulation. That's cool. If we come visit you in San Francisco, can you simulate us getting breasts? Any yeah. size you want. Yes. I would love some three hundred cc's. I would love right. some on me. I'll see you that, in San Francisco. We're doing it. Yeah. That yeah. that scene that scene with Samantha like watching the women walk down the stairs was she dude her acting was so was so great in that scene yeah and the bartender oh yeah the bartender oh, yeah. the bartender yeah. when they did when they got to do the cocktail shake and the boob shake at the same time yeah great perfect yeah yeah it was great do you do you know Doctor Bevel is Doctor Bevel a real doctor world renowned really <laughs> no he's I've never heard of him is this um. What I, you don't have to answer this. This is like weird, but <laughs> like, what's your relationship will. to to breasts now? Like, oh, it's still great. Like, okay, I guess my question is this: like, my assumption would be once things are like fully medical. Like, I know people that are doctors. Like, you know, like you operate on a heart, you can like cut a thing open. You're still like attracted to your wife, but when when it's so connect, like. It does. Does this affect your view of of attraction and human sexuality in any way? Do you feel like it's changed you in any way as like a warm blooded male? No, I think if anything, it makes you like appreciate it more because mm -hmm. you you like know the limitations of what you're able to do now, but then you kind of like appreciate both like natural anatomy, but also like augmented anatomy. It's just kind of like. I don't know. No, but I don't yeah. think it's changed anything. 
Yeah, look at like okay. the look at like the gourmet chef. They're not going to be living off of like protein shakes. Most of the people that like spend their lives working with food are people who appreciate food the most and like will like I I really appreciate breasts. <laughs> there you go. He understands all the new all the nuances. Um so then let's get into um I think we covered Carrie and Charlotte. We can go back to that if we want, but let's let's cover Miranda Miranda and Steve. So you were yeah. Kevin, you got super excited about Miranda and Steve, specifically when when he got stuck to the to the street after dropping his bags. So, okay, so uh, we've talked about this. I used to do Sex and the City tours. I had never actually seen the show. And if you've done a tour of Sex and the City, like, you know, like now that we've watched all of it, I don't give a fuck about Magnolia Bakery. It's cool, but it's like, it's fun. But there was a few things on the show that, like, I completely forgot that they get married. It's, like, right on 6th Avenue, there's this really great library um, that, I forget what it's called now. But it's, it's um, I can look it up. Uh, but it's New York really, Public Library. Yeah. I'm kidding. Um, but, <laughs> oh, well, th- I think there's a scene with that later. I think that's where Carrie gets married. Um, but. It's it's in Greenwich Village and like it's just a beautiful space already. And so mm. whenever I would do the tour there, I'd be like, "This is where Miranda and Steve get married." And I just forgot. And so when it showed up, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You fanboyed out really hard. Fanboyed out really hard. It's a beautiful place for a wedding, and also like I think it really does kind of embody. I, I don't think you can have as low key a wedding as they said, but it really does kind of embody like that'd be the perfect place to have a low key wedding in New York. And I don't think it's as easy as it seemed, but maybe it would, maybe that could have been the case like 15 years ago. It's you know, called, like uh, night. Yeah, yeah. It's called, it's called Jefferson Market Garden. It's on yes. 10, 10th and 6th. Yes. It I know right like where that is. Cute little place. Um, yeah. Also, like, Big ups to New York in this episode with those fall oh. color, like fall colors. Oh, on in New York, all right now we're Man. like we're fucking dying. What watching this, I was like, my heart was just like I got sh- shivers the whole time, being like, this is my favorite season in the year in New York, and they're crushing it. Yeah, 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 they oh. were nailing it. Now, um, where? Wait, where did you? I was at John and Katie's wedding. It was just their thing in in Kentucky. They got married in a cave. They got married right. in a. Um, where did you get married, Doctor Dave Sieber? We got married just west of Chicago on a river. So there seems to be kind of a water theme here. With the yeah, there's something going on with the Siebers and water. Siebers, we love water. We're we're an yeah. aqua based family when it comes to our romance. They're tied very very closely to one another. What did you think, Dr. Dave? What did you think of Miranda and Steve's romance? How do you feel just like dipping into it? How do you feel like their relationship is? What place, what space do you think it's at? Are you happy with their, if you, if you were a plus one to their wedding, how would you feel? <laughs> I would feel, I mean, I'd be honored to be invited. It looked like a pretty small wedding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude. True. Dave would be hanging out drinking beers with Ma. Yeah, Ma seems pretty cool. Yeah. No, but I think the thing, uh, again, this is going back to like, uh, and which I think the producers did such a great job of showing all the different relationships kind of so different, but at the same time. And like theirs is just like kind of casual, but maybe not quite as casual as, as she kind of like advertises it as. Because at mm-hmm. first it was like, I'm not going to make a big deal. I don't want to do anything. And then she ended up still having a wedding with formal vow, vows and, and had some people there. But I think it, uh, you know, it just shows that different people's relationships are just kind of different. And that's okay. Hmm. There's no, like, standard formula. Yeah, I, lo- yeah, I, I like that, that Miranda was still able to be the bossy bride. But, like, in it, it was it was about... Uh, her bossiness was about Samantha. Like, you know, like, like I think Charlotte was kind of like the diva bride who wanted everything perfect in her way. Miranda still got to be the bride and still have her day, but it was about her friends and her people and, and letting, letting Samantha share the news with her, which, which 
I thought it did a really good job showing showing Miranda. That was really good. And also, like, I do I do think that like marriage and weddings, like there is this balance between being like, it's just a piece of paper and people that go full bridezilla. Because it is I thought what she articulated was what a lot of people feel nowadays. It's like, I want my friends and family there and I want to say these vows to this person. Mm-hmm. And I think that those are really important things that kind of embody what a wedding is actually for when you get down to the kernel of it, mm-hmm. even more than being like, I want a big celebration. Like sometimes people think that rep that gives it more meaning when really like, that's probably something that you could go back to like the 1600s and they'd be like, yeah, that's what it's about. It's about getting the important people there and saying these vows and having yeah. those people like this was a very pure wedding mm-hmm. in in a way that you wouldn't expect from what you think about sex in the city because we've never seen this. But I was like, this is like getting back to the basics in like yeah. a really yeah like traditional way and in, in a great way. I mean, if you look at it, it's like the way that they came about it when Miranda asked Steve, which by the way, shout out to shout out to Pete's Tavern where they were sitting mm-hmm. at Pete's. Shout out but, to Pete's Tavern. But uh they're sitting at Pete's and they're kind of doing this like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to I don't want to get old and and you know grouchy and stuff. And well, I don't want like, to wait wanna, for our lives to be, to over. be over. Yeah, exactly. I want right now what will nope. it be? Is that what is the second line? What is I it? don't want to wait. I don't know. I, I, I never know the second line. Have we mentioned on the pod yet? Kevin brought up that Brady, who is Miranda and Steve's child, looks <laughs> so much like a young version of the, the apparently, apparently kid. <laughs> apparently. Dave, do you know the true. apparently kid? No, but I'm going to look him up as soon as we're done. Oh, oh my yeah. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Amazing, just like, do you remember the, the, little, the little chubby redheaded pale baby that they were holding at the wedding? Yeah. Okay, just look up we'll the apparently apparently yeah, video. Yeah. Just look up He's the definitely. apparently kid who who had a tremendous fifteen minutes of fame. Yeah, I'd say he had twenty. He yeah, had twenty minutes of fame. But Pretty he yeah, he looks very much like like that yeah. baby. Um, but no, the, the 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 point I was making real quick is that that Miranda and Steve's ends up being the purest one because she realizes that moment. She's like, I don't care about the big wedding. I just want to mm-hmm. like do and like a wedding is a ritual. And she's like, yeah. I want to go through this ritual to like mark this and actually like cross this threshold and do yeah. it without all the pomp and circumstance and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. as a lawyer, she understands the legal implications of marriage as well. Yeah. <laughs> do you so think true. she made Steve sign a prenup? Probably she should have. I feel like she's. I feel like. I feel like For she sure. would definitely do it. Yeah. Steve Brady's level. He doesn't know anything. He'd have his bar taken from him. <laughs> yeah, he could have his bar taken from him. Yeah, you got to watch that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Samantha. Um, yeah. That was the the curveball of the century. I didn't see that. Didn't see that one coming. No. Nope. No. That, yeah, that was that was uh, that was heavy. And they did that well. I can imagine in a the early. I can imagine the first time anyone saw that they were like, "What? What?" Dave, does that happen frequently where people come in for for a uh, plastic surgery or some sort of procedure and they find something horribly wrong? No, I would say not frequently, but it for sure happens. Um, has it ha- has it happened to you? It has. So I had a patient who, uh, so I have like certain, and I think most surgeons do, they have kind of, um, there's age recommendations according to a whole bunch of different uh, groups on when you should start having people get like mammograms prior to surgery. So if you're like, you know, 24 and you're getting a breast augmentation, the chance of you having like a lump or breast cancer is pretty low. I mean, not zero, but pretty low. Uh, and as you get older, especially if you have a family history of breast cancer, you have an increased risk. So uh, most people have a certain age where they make people get mammograms. And I had a patient um, who I did. Before she had surgery, I made her go get a mammogram. And she had had another procedure a year prior and had a normal mammogram. And I made her go get another one. And sure enough, she had a mass on the mammogram and it, it ended up being breast cancer. Wow. So, wow. You know, I have patients that'll still come in and and they'll say, you know, I'm fine. I don't I don't want to get a mammogram, but I'm pretty insistent now after diagnosing someone that you know, listen, I'm not doing this just to be a pain in the ass, even though yeah. you know, 
even during COVID, it is a pain in the ass to get a mammogram, but it's really for your own safety because if we were to find something, it's better to, to take care of it now than for you to pay and have the surgery and then to discover something later. I mean, you know, it's my due diligence as your surgeon to kind of look into these things. And that's why I really have to commend Dr. Bevel on his yeah. uh, excellent physical exam before he did the breast augmentation. Do you do you watch do you watch bevel vids uh, in in medical school as to how to properly diagnose someone? Oh yeah, yeah. They they start us early on those. There's a whole library. Yeah. <laughs> Step one, first day one, first faint is free. Day two, yeah. the bevel dictionary of breast examinations. <laughs> bevel nailed it. <laughs> Get on my level. Do you I'm think Doctor Bevel? Is there has to be someone like TV doctors? I mean, this is stepping outside of Sex and City, but like ER, Grey's Anatomy. Is there someone that, I mean, are they doing a good job for the most part? Like, do you watch TV doctors and you're just like, that is so unbelievably unrealistic. Like, you know, we, we as people who live in New York, we see the apartment that Carrie lives in and we're like, that is so unbelievably realistic. This will never happen. Do you get that vibe from TV doctors? Oh, yeah, all the time. There's even so uh, I review a lot of like journal articles before they're published, just like a lot of mm-hmm. surgeons do. And there was a paper recently about like the um, media's perceptions of plastic surgeons. And uh, like the take home message from the paper was that the media doesn't perceive plastic surgeons as like, you know, really trusting good people. They're usually kind of like, maybe a little sleazy, like not totally, you know, just kind of whenever you think of a plastic surgeon, like in Doc Hollywood or something, they're always kind of like off a little bit. Mm. Totally. Yeah, when, and I, when I watch, watch medical shows, most of the time you're like, no, that's, that's like for sure not correct. Interesting. I think, I think TV has to do that. Like the one where I notice it is, is whenever they have a court scene in TV, like we were watching, we watched liar, liar a couple weeks back. And like, that's like a divorce settlement. And it's in like the most beautiful courtroom. There's bystanders. Like, no, that shit was settled in like a basement, smelly courthouse somewhere oh. with like yeah. some judge <laughs> that hates themselves. Like it was not this big, well, beautiful. And also there's, with those things too, like, yeah, it's, um, there's also like, you don't have the doctor I don't know, doctors or lawyers or anything. It's like, sometimes they have to like rifle through paperwork. They're not as organized. Like sometimes it's like the yeah, seamless list that probably yeah, you this is day-to-day you life. Yeah. Lots of charts. Yeah. And doctors have horrible um, handwriting. Dave, you have, you have pretty bad handwriting, right? Yeah. It's hard for me to read most of the time. <laughs> good, gra- <laughs> good grammar, but bad handwriting. Terrible yeah, handwriting. Terrible. Bad penmanship. Yeah. They checked that before that, you know, med school. No, but, um, but plastic surgery, even in this episode, definitely had a negative connotation. Like, yeah, Kevin, you, sure. kind of, you, you kind of said, like, I think this was filmed, what, in 2004 and 2005? And I think that that was probably early 90s, 2000 is like still when it was viewed negatively in the media. And I'm, I think now, I'm hoping now it's perceived more in a positive light, because like you said, like it's, it's people's bodies and they should be able to do what they want with them, you know, make them feel however they want. Yeah. Like when they were saying, Oh, you don't want to look like a, like a bimbo. I mean, they use some of those terms that are kind of like, you know, degrading a little bit um, that you just, you don't really hear people describe like women with big breasts like that anymore, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah they have other words that aren't bimbo. <laughs> But it's also like, you know, if someone was heavy think, set and, right. they, and they're like, I want to go on a diet to change the way my body looks, you'd never hear someone be like, you don't want to look like a stick figure freak. Like, mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, I support you. I, I I definitely I definitely feel like there's more acceptance of that in in um, in in good and in, in good and bad ways. This has nothing to do with your job as a plastic surgeon. But I do, I do feel like there's a limit to which um, the there's like an overacceptance of it. Like I've seen so on our Instagram, like just because of the the things that we follow and the thing the people that follow us, like our algorithm, like 
we we get in the in the discover page like lots and lots of people and there's certain people that i've seen that are very young that clearly are getting lip injections on a level that does not appear to be healthy especially when it's like when you're you're that young and that's like that's something i've seen with like I would have never been exposed to that if I wasn't running a Bradshaw boys sex in the city Instagram. Um, but there, there are certain things like that that I'm like, I bet the lip injection uh, market has exploded with people like the Kardashians. And then you see whoever the young Kardashian, like you see her lips and then you see certain people get that. And you're like, I, like I want people to look beautiful and I want people to feel comfortable Mm-hmm. I've also seen like massive quick acceptance of getting stuff into your lips. And I'm like, that looks like something went wrong with your lips. But why, but why, why do you get to be the judge? Because I'm, I'm a human, like everyone gets to be a judge. And there's like, that's not me being a judge. That is, that's the whole point. Like, we have a judge of what I, what I'm saying is not the physical judge of whether it looks good. I'm saying it definitely looks like that sort of procedure got accepted very quickly. And lots of people are running to get it. And the procedure is not quite uh, done yet. Like there is like probably certain ages that you shouldn't be getting stuff like that. Well, one of the things that has happened for sure with social media is um it's developed kind of unrealistic expectations Hmm. so the problem is is you can look at a picture on instagram of whoever and like Mm -hmm. you don't know what that person actually looks like the only thing you know is how they look like in that photo and Hmm. you'll have people come to the office and they'll say hey you know i face tuned myself to look like this can like can we do this and you have to look at them and be like listen like you don't look like that now and I'm good at what I do, but like, I'm not good enough to make (laughs) you look like a morphed version of yourself using some sort of technology. Right. Mm. Well, do you think kind of going off of like what Kevin was saying, depending on the, depending on how extreme someone's going, is there ever a thing? Is there ever like a, like a moral quandary or anything. If someone came in and they like could use like a face brushing filter, you know, like I, they look like a a beautiful anime character or something in some picture, and they're like, "I want to look like this." If they want to do a massive change, do you ever have to be in a position where you're like, "Hang on, let's take this step by step and understand what we're about to do," and feel like you need to talk people out of things? Yeah, it doesn't happen often. And I think one of the beauties about what I do is that all all the plastic surgeons have kind of different aesthetics. So we have different ideals of what we consider beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um, if these patients go and see whoever, they're going to eventually, you know, if they see 10 surgeons, they're eventually going to find someone who's going to make them look like however they want to look because Mm -hmm. the surgeon just wants to do the procedure and take the money. Um, Mm. I don't agree with that. I mean, the patients who I operated on are, are representations of me and my ideals, uh, a lot of the time. So if they're out walking around and telling people that I did their surgery, but they look crazy because I did something stupid to them, uh, Mm. that's not a good reflection of me as a surgeon or me as my aesthetics or tastes and and what I think is beautiful. Mm. That's really interesting. If you look at something like the Brazilian butt lift, which the Kardashians have kind of made famous, you know, doing liposuction and then injecting the fat. If you go down Mm -hmm. to South America, which I have, and you talk to the South Americans about a quote unquote Brazilian butt lift, they like they don't want anything to do with it. Because when they Mm. inject fat into the butt, the same procedure, it's very tastefully done. It's to it's to create a nice, uh, you know, round aesthetic shape to the butt without making it look like, you know, someone put bricks in the back of their pants mm-hmm. <laughs> that's super interesting can i ask a question before we do the cosmo rating which was what what would you say um any of us what would you say was the message for samantha's storyline why did they bring in 
was it just like breast, like she wanted bigger breasts. Now she's going to have most likely a double mastectomy. Like, was it the expectations or what do you think was the theme or the message they were trying to get across with this storyline or what did you take from it? Um, you're asking all of us. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. Um, I, I mean, I ca- oh, go ahead. Well, or you go. Well, no, I was just going to say, I think we talk about this all the time and like we talked about it. There's a major thing with Samantha last, last episode with her and Smith and um richard but Mm -hmm. i think this is teeing samantha up for like another stage of growth like i think that it i think she was going to go into this thing where we found out a couple episodes ago she's 45 and she you know is in this place where she was like i'm gonna i'm gonna get new tits like i like i think i'm perfect but i want this which is totally fine but I think that they're trying to go from this aesthetic that they've always had of her being like fun, loving, caring about herself and try to take her into something that's deeper. That's like a scary life or death thing and t- yeah. kind of mm-hmm. take her out of like a fun aesthetic thing and take her into like uh, some serious life stuff. And I think this is just the beginning of that. That's what I think. Yeah, I think I think Samantha's ideals are like being taken away from her. I think last episode we saw like the ideal of sex being the the singular her singular pursuit and that kind of being taken away with that crummy experience with Richard. And now I think like the next thing, the next way Samantha would define herself is her body. And I know people that sometimes get cancer feel as if it's their body betraying them. And mm-hmm. so now it's kind of like her body has also betrayed her to like uh, mm. unravel and unpeel who she is deep down, which I think it's ultimately going to be like what we've kind of noticed. She's like, she's not just like a 40 something year old fuck boy. She is like a, a person with substance and heart and like a really good friend who's loyal and fierce. And so mm. I think the, the ideas that she has of herself are going to be slowly I mean, they're falling, they're, they're being removed. Yeah. And along with that, I think like they're, sometimes they've shown her to be like, like, I thought it was cool that there was like a strength in her cab ride that was not like, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to ignore it. It was like, let, like, I, I'm telling my friend, this is what I need to do. Like she seemed grounded and not just like, I don't want to think about it. It was like, I'm going to express this to you so we can go on. And I think sometimes when you're going through something traumatic or scary, you can't just be like, let's like sit and cry for an hour. It was like, I'm in a cab, I'm expressing this to you. And then they had that moment at the end where they're all together. And I, I thought that was amazing. And I thought, I think it was one of Samantha's strongest moments. And I'm sure for anyone that has dealt with sickness or cancer or something like that, like, I don't know. There was a, there was a real strength in the way she handled it and them as a friend group that I thought was, I thought it made me cry because it did. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> um, awesome. Well, unfortunately that's, that's all the time that we have. Um, Dave, thanks so much for joining us on the, on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for Dr. having me. Dave, thank you. Um, people, where, where can people find your Instagram and website? So my Instagram is just Dr. David Sieber and okay. website is the, my practice is just called Sieber plastic surgery. So you put that in Google, that should pop right up. You, just, you Google that like they were, they were Googling Petrovsky what, a few episodes back. Um, yeah. Also sh- shameless plug. Uh, you know, I know you you guys, you listeners are used to Goldman Sachs and Starbucks um, advertising on our uh, podcast, but Dave and I are um, have started a skincare company called Begin Skincare, mm. and uh, we're we're launching that. Actually, oh. Corey and Kevin have both been two of our test subjects the past uh, the past what like eight weeks now. Eight weeks, yeah. yeah. Look at these tight pores. Any testimonials? What, what pores? Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dr. Dave. My my skin is fucking crushing it. I I feel better than ever. And, but as a as a male, because men don't typically like to take care of their skin, and we mm-hmm. designed a pretty I mean, 
I want to say kind of an idiot proof routine. Uh, how difficult is it now that you know how to take care of your skin for you to take care of your skin? So easy. It's so it's- easy. And also it's, it's like the regimentedness of it has made me just like, uh, I have, I have eczema. So I actually got used to a, a regimen. I, <laughs> I have eczema, but I got used to like taking care of my hands better. And I, I would just put like lotion on my face and be like, Oh, that'll fix it. But this to me, like has been the same thing for my face has been like, all right, I do this, this, and this, and it gets exponentially better. And you guys said it takes like a few weeks before you feel, I, I don't know. Like it took like two weeks before I felt it. And now since then I get, I get insane compliments and my face is. You've made me touch your face several times. Yeah. How smooth, it's amazing. How smooth yeah, is no, it? You, you also, you guys were kind of the reason why we st- we came up with this idea. I had so many people asking my brother through me what they should do to take care of their skin. Mm. I was like, you know, we should take that routine that Dave told us about mm-hmm. and uh, market it. So begin skincare. Check it out. Fantastic um, product. Yeah, it's a, it's a super easy routine for uh, for younger and healthier looking skin. Mm. Let's post. Let's post about it. We'll post about it when we yeah. put this episode up, and people people can check it out. Yeah. So back to yeah, your regularly awesome. scheduled Goldman Sachs um, advertisements. That that was ours. But um, <laughs> Dave, wait, we need to do our Cosmo rating. We haven't we done do Cosmo yeah. rating. Oh, I have mine. Ooh, I got mine. All right, Dave. Wonderful. Do- are these whole whole numbers, or do they need to be uh, half and quarter? You can do one, you can do uh, halves and quarters or fulls. We're so really close. One point two five. You could be a one point five. Yeah, whatever. we're really close to going over. Uh, you have to rate this episode from one to five. Let's do it real quick. Corey, where are you at? I'm at a four. Kevin, five. Dave, I'm gonna do four point two five. Nice. I'm a, I'm gonna go four point five. This was wow. a, a fantastic fantastic episode. Um, Great guest. Can't thank you enough, Dave. Look oh, up, look up. Me. Dr. Hey, David Sieber, Sieber Plastic Surgery. This was great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Dave. Thanks, Later, guys. Taters. Fun. Later, Taters. Later, Taters. Bye. Bye. The Bradshaw Boys stars Corey Cabin, Kevin James Doyle, and John Sieber. The show is produced by me, Jeremy Balin, and narrated by Katie Sieber. This podcast is part of the Seltzer Kings Network. Check out all their great podcasts at seltzerkings.com. You can find the boys on their socials at The Bradshaw Boys or on their website at thebradshawboys.com. And as always, if you see them in the street, tip your glass. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.